You're listening to Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast number 104. Thomas Miller back with you, and we're going to talk about intuition in this podcast. Promised it to you in 103, and we're going to dive in deeply in 104. And in between 103 and 104, I finished, well, not completely finished, but finished reading through the latest audiobook, Increase Your Energy. And that's quite an accomplishment because I think that's about 500 pages. So this one took a little while. I had some travel and some other distractions. But, you know, it's really cool now because if you go to Facebook and Reality Creation Coaching, you'll see Fred's posts about upcoming book releases and audios and whatnot. So when he releases a book that comes out, people are asking when the audio version will come out. So that's really cool. Thank you for that. If any of you are listening to this as well, we appreciate that. And I get them cranked out as fast as I can. Now, let's roll into intuition. This came from an email from one of you, which you can either do from the contact page on the website. That's a great way to do it. Go to subconsciousmindmastery.com and go to the website. And by the way, while you're there, if you would like a reminder of when the podcasts are released, you can fill out that form and you'll get an autoresponder uh, email the next morning after new podcasts are released. And I've said in the past, and still absolutely true, that that is the only thing you will ever get from submitting that email to that address, promise period, bar none, ever. And if you don't like getting them, you can just opt out. Now, the other way to communicate is through thomas at subconsciousmindmastery.com. So either way, somebody emailed me this. First of all, I can't thank you enough for providing such rich information and guidance about the subconscious mind. Your work and podcast are very, very, very great, it says. So I'd say thank you for that. I'm new to this podcast. I've been listening to it for a few months. So far, I've reached podcast number 32 because I've repeated it a couple of times from the beginning. And some episodes are so thrilling and goosebumps creating that I've listened to them over and over again. Oh, thank you so much. Now she goes on. Well, this might not be good, but I felt like sharing it with you. It was one of my fearful thoughts that took place in reality. I deliver food for a restaurant. While I was out for delivery, I often would have fears and thoughts of an accident. Yesterday I was running out of time because I had to catch up my shift at a second job, so I asked my friend to deliver on my behalf. Unfortunately, my friend had an accident while delivering. Thank God he is safe, but his new car got wrecked. Right before he had texted me about the accident, I had short, quick, but strong thoughts and vibes about it. I'm very sad and sorry about it. I wish I had not asked him for help, but could not roll back time now. However, I'd like to know, was that the manifestation of my negative thought? What was that short, quick vibe? I very easily imagine negative thoughts, but it's hard for me to visualize positively. Why is it like that? How can I control negative thoughts and be more often thinking positive thoughts? Seems like I have failed to put on your teaching in a correct way. Sorry for writing this email at four in the morning. I had no one to share but you. You've been a great friend. Seeking your advice, please. Wow. So... <laughs> My goodness, that is just such an honoring email, first of all. And, you know, I think about intuition, and that's really what we're talking about here. You know, look, this isn't some corporate enterprise. This is me and a microphone sitting here talking when I get inspired. 
I've never forced episodes to keep up with a schedule. Whenever I interview somebody, it's because I felt like I was supposed to. And when I get inspired on a particular topic, I get out an outlining program and I just jot down notes and then start talking. That's how this is done. And to think that it influences people literally all over the world is just amazing. And there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. So I'm going to unpack this as best I can from personal experience. And of course, the big disclaimer across all of these 104 episodes is that this has come from my own journey, my own experience. It has not been scientifically double-blind tested in a research study. All I figured is that life was so difficult before and then it's so cool now, how did I do that? And just pick apart the points and then try to communicate them. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's go back and kind of line by line we'll go through some of this because there are some really key points about intuition that just jump off the page for me here. So let's just go back. And she says, when she started into the meat of the of the email, she says, well, this might not be good, but I felt like sharing with you. Okay, point number one. And by the way, I've established an email response back and forth with this person. So this is all cool. I told her that I was going to be using this as a springboard for... A podcast. So part of this is me answering her questions. Some of it is, shall we say, a little coaching, and then some of it is obviously for you to listen in. So there's a lot of good material here for all of us. So the first thing I see is, this might not be good, but I felt like sharing it with you. Folks, don't label anything in your life as good or bad. That completely takes away your freedom. Now, Keep in mind, I totally get this. This is the whole paradigm that I grew up with, that things were labeled good and bad, evil or good, sin or not sin, of Christ, not of Christ. And keep in mind, that was from childhood, from elementary school, from college, from church, all the way through. I didn't have a life outside of that. So as I launched into the adult years, the only thing I had was the ability to label stuff good or bad. And I would offer blanket forgiveness to all of the people who I encountered in those years between then and when I finally turned that around way late in life. Because there's a backwash of people that I offended because I labeled something about them as bad. And there were probably people who I labeled as good who should have been labeled as bad. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) Thomas, listen to what you're saying. But see, you get the point. I mean, it's like we have this filter that we process everything through of it's good or bad. One of my most pivotal lessons came from my dear friend, Daniel Danovi, who was one of my co-leaders of the Sedona trip last uh, in 2016, almost a year ago. Daniel and Leslie, it's been almost a year since we did that. Well, Daniel one day challenged me with something. I think he probably understood my background and knew that I was struggling with this, and I know exactly where he said this. We were sitting on a patio up in Addison, Texas, having a couple of margaritas, and he, he said, what if there was no sin? What if there was no judgment? What if everything just was? Boy, I had to struggle with that. Probably took me six months or a year. Man, that was challenging everything that I had grown up with, and it challenged my mom and dad's teaching, my upbringing. And I had to look really, really closely at that. What if there was no sin? 
years before that kind of would have just ricocheted off of me like a like a water balloon it would have bounced off of me and fallen on the ground and broken and i would have had no other thoughts about it heresy i mean of course there's sin the bible says so but i also respected this new friend in this new line of thinking that i was exploring that i had to go look at what he was suggesting that was my new inquiry. The inquiry was, this hadn't worked so well. This was inconsistent. This didn't match up at the end of the day. And I'm looking for things that do. So here's a suggestion. Explore it. Be open to it. Be inquisitive. Try it on. Test it and see if it works for you. See if you can prove it time and time again. Well, I imagine you're probably jumping ahead of me and, and realizing exactly where I arrived. Of course I arrived to that position that there is no sin. Everything just is. And Fred talks about this extensively in his books. If you want a couple of suggestions of ones that go into this deeper, Hidden Realities and Spectral Consciousness would be two audiobooks or books that go into this much deeper. And one of the problems that I came across in working through this is, ultimately, who defines good and who defines bad. You say, well, the Bible does. Well, wait a minute. There are 80-some major denominations. And I think there are up to a couple of two or three hundred splinter, split-off denominations. So even if you're going to use the Bible as your basis, people can't agree on the Bible. Not only what should go in it, but how to interpret it. There's no Supreme Court of good and no Supreme Court of bad. There is no ultimate authority. So in the whole human perspective, how can you define good? How can you define bad? And there's no freedom in that, folks. That's just bondage, imprisonment. You know, I've spent most of the, about the last year and a half getting up early almost every morning that I'm here behind the microphone and recording these audiobooks. And when you take such a deep dive into that material, your soul absolutely owns it. And even though I can't specifically point to areas that Fred has discussed, I mean, we've recorded, we've laid down a lot of material, but just in general concept, that does not exist in Fred's teaching, and neither would it here. It's a result of our programming. It also could be some karmic stuff coming through from the past. I mean, from the past as in before we were born. I think there's a combination of the two. Now, again, this is personal experience. But there's a reason why, either culturally, genetically, or karmically, why we lock on to this structure of good and bad. Now, I know there's an offsetting argument of, well, yeah, but what's good for one is not good for another. Where does my good stop and your good start? I'm not going to go into that. Read Levels of Energy or listen to Levels of Energy and go to the 500s and just live in the 500s and it'll all be good. <laughs> I mean, that's where you want to be anyway, right? I, I think, but to seriously, to just touch on that question, because it is a good point, I, I think that you would have to go back to the ego self, the world self, and define where the world self starts and stops. Because if you lay down your world self, you can just about accept anybody as they are. And boy, I'm working on that still every day. And if you live your life not from the ego self then there's really no conflict with others. Do we do that? Hell no. <laughs> Just get on a freeway, right? I mean, the world self, the ego is brutal. So anyway, to bring this back around, first advice is just let everything be. 
everything just is. Don't live under the pressure of having to do something right. I want to tell you a story around this. Okay, I can tell from the length of my notes this podcast is going to be long. So I was very early into my exploration of this in the first year or two. Coming out of this uh, past that didn't work for me, having gone through the second divorce, and then just trying to sort stuff out and looking for something new. I happened to go from Dallas up to Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Cool little kind of a hippie town in the Ozarks, tucked away, very remote. You know me in the mountains, right? Anything with an elevation, I was great, and that was the closest there was. And I ran into this metaphysical bookstore. Now, I had not frequented too many metaphysical bookstores at that time. But this wonderful lady who was the owner of that little shop walked me through so many things. You talk about just being egoless. This lady was not in her head, not in her ego. She was in tune. And I ended up picking up this deck of cards. And she even showed me how to select the deck. She probably had a dozen different brands and authors and varieties there. And she said, just spend some time with them and pick which one feels the best to you, which one calls out to you. And she walked off. Well, I picked this one particular deck. It was an Angel Oracle deck from Doreen Virtue. Went back to where I was staying, excited and ready to open this deck and see what was going on. So I took out the instructions, did all of the setup things that she talked about doing. And holding this in my hand, you know, talk about good and bad. I was feeling, you know, a little bit guilty that I was doing this thing that I really probably shouldn't be doing. But we'll see what's going on. So struggling with the past feeling a little bit of guilt. You know, if mom or dad saw this, they would not approve. Yet very curious of what I was holding in my hands. Was this garbage or was this was there something to it? So I'm going to tell you this really short because of time. So I shuffled the deck and I drew a card. And it was the solar plexus card. And it was saying, as you look up in the book, you look the definition of it up, and it says, it's time to use your power. It's time to have a voice. It's time to step up. And it said, the angels will help you do this in love. Now, I hadn't started the podcast yet. I hadn't done anything yet. I was still kind of really a train wreck at this point. And I knew that I had suppressed my power. I knew that I had suppressed my voice. It was all of that garbage that I was dragging around. That card, drawing that card, pricked a little tear in my eye. Right at that moment, I was like, oh, my God. And I, I can even feel that feeling now. I'm not going to cry on you, but it was like, <laughs> I, you know, it, it was emotional. So I put the card back in the deck, shuffled the deck back up, drew the next card. Solar plexus. You don't think Ms. Virtue and her deck had my attention? <laughs> you bet it did. I read the definition again, and I paid a little more attention to it this time. Pondered on it, meditated on it, thought about it, put the card back in the deck, shuffled the deck a little bit more deliberately this time. I shuffled that deck, drew another card, and it was the solar plexus. <laughs> I had cut the deck, shuffled the deck. I've gone forwards and backwards. I was going to make sure that wasn't going to happen again <laughs> three times in a row. I put the card back in the deck, shuffled the deck like furiously, like aggressively, like shuffle the deck drew out a card, and for the fourth time in the row, it was the solar plexus card. Now, you don't think that the universe started speaking to Thomas Miller that day. The universe had been trying to speak to Thomas Miller for 45 years, but that day got my attention in a whole different way. Now, here's the point. 
was there a good way or a bad way to shuffle the deck? No. And when I use a deck of cards today, there's no good way or bad way to do it. Somebody might come along and say, well, that's not how you do it. Who says there's a rule book? That stuff has been working for me for almost 10 years, and I just do it however I feel. That's what Fred teaches. Just do what you feel. Do what feels good and remove those shackles that there's a good way or a bad way to do it. Who knows? You might have four solar plexus cards just waiting around the corner from you if you just would let go of the rules around it. Now, for our young friend who sent the email, I sent her a copy of Fear Busters to help with that. And that was one of the main reasons I wrote Fear Busters was I considered fear as programming. So there are a number of ways that you can unprogram or deprogram or reprogram that kind of thinking. And I think the book is only like a couple of hours to read. And that's what that book was written. That was the intention behind that book was to help people like this who recognize and admit that they have a paradigm of fear, a thread of fear running through that highly likely came from past programming. Now, the second point that I wanted to bring out is that she does indeed have a very powerful intuitive skill that she is not in touch with. While I was out for delivery, I often had fear and thought of an accident. And later, she said, right before he had texted me about the accident, I had a short, quick, but strong thought or vibe about it. Now, point. Thank God she's catching this early. <laughs> because I spent nearly 50 years. For a lot of people, that would be most of their life. Having such intuitive prompts and didn't A, know what they were, and B, I didn't listen to them. Now, I think we all have some degree of intuition like this. Some people are more intuitive than others. Some are very intuitive, and some really just don't get much coming through at all. And I'm going to give a comment on that at the very end of the podcast. But to some degree, we all have some intuition, but we don't understand. I mean, even the Bible said, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. So, I would first suggest that you educate yourself on intuition. And she was asking about resources. So, Uncle Thomas sent her a free copy of the Intuition Training audiobook. All through Fred's works, I mean, Parallel Universes of Self would be a good one. Intuition Training would be another good one. The one I just finished, uh, Increase Your Energy. These are all good resources, but Intuition Training would be a great place to start. There are other authors who have written about intuition as well. So one thing would be to do a deep dive and start to learn about it. Now, that's in the head. You have to really, though, practice intuition in order to get in touch with it. And to do that, you first have to quiet down enough to get in touch with it. So you have to either meditate, journal, walk, etc., one of the biggest problems in not being able to hear intuition is that we are often too exposed to noise. We get up, turn the TV on, watch the morning news channels, uh, go to work, turn the radio on, listen to chatter about nothing on the radio, get to work, and here come the emails and the meetings and the conversations and the blah, blah, blah. So you have to get away and figure out in your environment how do you tune that out? How do you go to your quiet place? For me, I mean, I live in a quiet place now, but I've told you in the past, for me, it's walking and hiking up in these mountains is where intuition and intuitive messages just come out of the trees. I mean, it's beautiful. 
but until then it had been more like what our friend experienced here it would be that kind of that hit when you need it but in between that that always on switch wasn't there that's where fred's work has influenced me so much is his switch is always on he just lives his life in tune with that but you have to work to get there now a third point is when you hear a clear intuitive message follow it and i put follow it in all caps in my notes because all too often we tend to argue with it malcolm gladwell wrote the book blink became a bestseller and his thesis in blink the whole book is about this that very first intuitive thought that blink reaction before it hits your thinking mind is the intuitive reaction but once you take it to your head then you're out of intuition i'll say that again once you take it to your head you have left the world of intuition now it becomes the ego self it becomes the world self it becomes logic you're going to argue with it well that's not the right thing of course she wouldn't do that i can't go there i can't go tonight i can't cancel my plans i've already made arrangements you're not trusting in your intuition you're back up in your head now that intuition is still there but often then you will choose to ignore it but that intuition is your higher self that is your soul speaking that is the divine guidance that's the higher purpose that's your best path that's looking out for your good when it comes from within not from your head now we saw what happened to our friend when she ignored it for her she was framing it or believing it to be negative self talk but instead it was really intuition coming through very clear but she just didn't have the skill set built out quite enough that she could connect the dots between the warning and the accident now let's be careful here because sometimes i mean that's almost like asking for the answer and not trusting the process you get the intuitive prompt she had a clear prompt of danger and then asked a friend for help now would she have asked the friend had she really been interpreting this to the to the maximum or fullest level I have no way of knowing but I would think that probably she would have had a really negative gut feeling about asking like you know you're dialing the phone and then you go oh no don't no uh uh hang the phone up that happens often in fact let me give you a couple of examples on my own this one is non-consequential the other one is very consequential I had just come up here to Aspen and had started skiing but really hadn't developed a skiing protocol you know like now I've got it down right got the whole system down and it's easy but back then I was still fumbling and bumbling and getting used to everything and I was going up the chair and I was pulling my phone out for whatever reason I don't remember either to listen to music or go on Facebook or something I don't know see if there was a text you know see if anybody was reaching out now i just turned the damn thing off but basically <laughs> hadn't gotten there yet aspen hadn't sunk into me like it has now so i was riding up the chair and i was reaching to grab the phone and i had a very clear intuitive prompt don't what did i do i took my glove off and pulled the phone out of the pocket no the phone didn't fall but the glove did <laughs> you knew, you knew i was going for somewhere there something went off that chair and like i said i was fumbling and bumbling and when i finally looked and the guys in the behind me saw me moving around and looking to the left and the right and they said it's behind 
Tower Number 27. So I thanked them, realizing that I was in ski territory way beyond my capacity at that time. But I found my way down there, picked up the glove, and all went along well. But it was a very clear story about listening to intuition. But it didn't stick. And this is the thing. I want you guys to get this, and maybe this is why I'm rambling on on this podcast, is because I really want you to get this. When you get those prompts, stop, listen, follow. Because after that, probably two months after that, the girl I was dating at the time came up to Colorado to ski. It was spring. We went out to this little resort that was like nothing of a mountain. I mean, Aspen doesn't even have any runs as uh, not steep as this place. Now, I had been skiing for the whole season, but not through the spring. Whole different animal spring snow is. Now, this place had after-hours skiing. So the regular slopes closed at 3.30, and then at 4 o'clock, they opened up with lights. They had lights on this one run. You could Well, they had two or three runs you could do under lights. And of course, that time of year, the lights didn't really kick in until 7.30 or 8, but we were out there between 4 and 5.30. And then we were going to meet some friends that we were visiting for dinner. And the lift ticket for the lights for the after-hours session, I think, was like $16. So, I mean, there was just no consequence. You could have done one run, paid 16 bucks, and said, hey, that was fun. Well, we had made several runs, and I had a very clear, intuitive prompt to stop and go to the folks for dinner. But we took that infamous one last run. I even said, let's do one more and then we'll go meet them for dinner. Deal. Sounds good. Got off the chair, turned to the right, went on down a little way, run that we had done several times before. Place isn't that big. Turned around. She wasn't there. Waited. Looked around. Hollered. Wasn't there. Wondered what in the world. I mean, stayed, stopped. I mean, that was that was kind of an intersection point. Um, she wasn't there. I didn't know what to do. So I moved, thinking maybe I could see her from above, because surely now she would be down below. Maybe she took another way. Got repositioned where I could see more runs and couldn't see her. So I stayed, stopped, waited, you know, not knowing what to do, and then finally figured it's not that big of an area. I mean, it really is. It was a small area. So I figured, well, I'll go on down and just meet her at the bottom. And when I skied down to the bottom, the snowmobile was going up, and I had an absolute sinking feeling in my gut and really knew at that point that it was her. She had turned off of the chairlift, was following behind, got stuck in some spring snow, And as is characteristic of that kind of snow, her ski stuck and her body kept going. She tore her ACL and MCL. It was a major knee injury. And just like our friend who wrote the email about her friend who helped her with the delivery and wrecked his new car, how much guilt and regret do you think I've carried this past year over that accident? Especially knowing that there was a very clear intuitive message to stop. Now. Do you think today that I argue with it? No way. Is my point clear? (laughs) I, I certainly hope so. I hope you get that. When you get an intuitive prompt, follow it. Let's go back to her email. She says, I very easily imagine negative thoughts, but it's hard for me to visualize the positive. Why is it like that? How do I control negative thoughts and more often be thinking of positives? Well, in a word, programming. 
that is her operating system. Same one that I grew up with. We're from different cultures, but we kind of got the same outcome, didn't we? Isn't that funny? This is a universal problem. That is why I sent her Fear Busters. It takes a number of different steps that you can do, and probably she should do every one of them, because it does take a massive amount of work. Let's say that you were sitting down at a Windows PC computer. They are all over the world, and you're going to reprogram that computer to be a Macintosh. So somehow you get into the code and you start typing and you start typing and you're, you go through everything. How long would it take for you to turn that PC into a Mac? You'd say, you're laughing. I mean, you'd say, well, it would take years. Yeah, this is not a drive-through process like we want in our society today. We so want the quick fix. We want the tweet that's going to change our life. And when you recognize, especially at a young age, thank God she recognizes this at her age, you have time to reprogram. Just get busy reprogramming it. This podcast is excellent. Fred's audiobooks are excellent. Fear Busters will help you. But you can. You, there are plenty of resources at your fingertips. Two quick places I would look first are your beliefs. Challenge them just like Daniel did with my belief about sin, or like I did earlier with the belief about there's no good or bad. Challenge all of your beliefs. Put everything out on the table to be willing to look at it. Maybe you change it, maybe you don't. Maybe you, maybe you uphold a belief and you reemphasize it, that that works for me. But don't hold on to anything so tightly that you're not willing to at least explore it. And then also I would say look at what you resist. Make a list of everything that you resist. That's one of the things that I think Fred mentioned in this latest book, because I did it not too long ago. Make a list of everything that you abhor. I abhor traffic. I abhor hot weather. I abhor angry people. I abhor, you know, whatever it is, crowds, lines, slow drivers, being broke, etc. Whatever it is for you that you abhor, make an, a list of things that you abhor. And then conversely, make a list of everything that you love. Don't just do one side of that exercise. But then go back to your list of things that you abhor and ask yourself, are you willing to give up that entire list? Or what is on that list that you're still holding on to? Resistance is the microscope, if you will, that reveals, or it's the spotlight that reveals those areas that you still need to work on. So you need to find the resistance points, and then you can start giving them up and reprogramming those areas. Do the opposite. Just look at the opposite. Just have the opposite reaction and do that reaction enough times until then all of a sudden it becomes your normal reaction. Repetition is another big thing. Now, there was probably something in her early paradigm, in her early programming, in her early environment that might have contributed to this glass half-empty perspective. I've known people, and you have too, who were more naturally upbeat and positive. And again, for the same reasons. It could be genetic, it could be karmic, and it could also be environmental. I knew a guy from years ago who was very gregarious and charismatic, and then I saw him after 25 years of not seeing him, and he was still very upbeat and gregarious. And guess what his wife and kids are like? Sure, they're upbeat and gregarious because he's such a big figure and a big leader that just drips off of him and people pick up on it. My upbringing was different. My home was mostly gloomy, negative, more fear-based. I mean, we laughed. We had good times, but it just saying an overall there was a cloud. 
and definitely part of my life journey has been learning and now teaching how to reprogram that. And believe me, it is still a work in progress. Now, she was also asking, what was that quick, short vibe? She had that quick, negative vibe right before the text, where I guess her friend texted saying that he had had an accident on her delivery. Again, that was not negative thinking. That was pure intuition. That was the universe making you aware that there was a dark cloud in the space. I mean, this is why this whole subconscious thing just fascinates me, because, and I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, scientists can now measure that the non-conscious part of our being is aware of stimuli up to a half second before it appears in physical reality. So, in other words, before we physically react to something, neurologically, we are aware of it, but it hasn't hit our physical senses yet. Science measures up to about a half a second. That's what can be done in a laboratory. This and many other stories like it indicate that it can be days or weeks or even months or years before that we know intuitively that we should or should not do something. Now, there's another point that we should consider here. If somebody has a basic negative or gloomy or dark or glass half empty bent, and that has not yet been reprogrammed, and they have a negative thought like she did, the intuitive thought, how do you separate that from intuition versus stinking thinking, as Ziegler used to say? And this is probably the pinnacle of her question, because if, you, if your life is basically driven by negative thoughts, but then you're also intuitively acute like she is, then I would see how it would be tremendously difficult to separate your intuition, warning, danger, and not let that kind of thinking just run your life. So here's a quick answer. For one, and I think she was writing from the United States, I mean, we are so blessed. We are so blessed really around this world that the odds, the majority of the time, the 80, 90, 95, 97% threshold is mostly that accidents aren't lurking around the corner. I mean, that's, you know, for most people. Now, this is where levels of energy comes in. And if you really want to be a student of this, then you need to study levels of energy because that explains when you're in low levels of energy, fear, which she's operating out of fear, we know magnetizes negative things into your life. So she might have more negative things just coming at her from the universe until she escapes that paradigm. So I would also suggest that you get levels of energy and that you study and implement that material into your life and get your energy level higher. When you operate from a higher level of energy, you have the confidence that negative things are not going to come your way. I mean, you just feel it. You own it. You know that that's the result, the outcome, the natural flow of living a higher energy life. And as you start to study intuition, then you'll learn the separation. Because as you start to identify that paradigm of negative thinking, and you start to shift that through raising your energy level, raising your vibration, then you start to see more clearly what is intuitive and what is not. And finally, the ultimate, I mean, where you're headed with this is you get to the point where those negative thoughts just are gone. And then you've got a different engine driving your car. From that, I mean that you have a different program driving your life. You're beating to a different drum, let's say. And also, there's something about that intuitive voice that's just different from the monkey mind. It's a different sense, a different perception, a different feeling. 
And as you play with it more, then you get the distinction of don't reach for the phone and then you drop your glove or don't take another run. You stop just because you know, you just know that that's that voice. And as you do more of this work over a longer period of time, as the reprogramming entrenches itself, then you also can quickly identify stinking thinking and you catch yourself. Wow, where did that come from? And then you remember the past, and then you just shake it off. But yeah, levels of energy really addresses the vibration that you're in that attracts things into your life. So part of the answer is having the confidence that you don't have negative stuff coming at you. Now, let's wrap this up. I want to ask you a question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how well do you hear your intuition right now? Take that first blink that comes up. Let's practice this. What was the very first number that popped into your mind? That's the number you want. Oh, no, I'm not that high. No, I'm not that low. See, don't go there. Shout out right now. What was the first number that came to your mind? That's the number. That's where you are. All right. So how much do you need to improve? So if the number was a three or a four, well, you've got a lot of work to do. If it was a seven or an eight, you could ask yourself, well, how can I become a nine? And go after those skills. You remember, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So if you're ready to go to, the, to a nine level on the intuitive scale, then the people that will help you get there will show up in your life. But take a step. Go to a metaphysical bookstore. Go to, like, Miracles of Joy if you're in the Dallas area. Some place that has classes. Uh, connect with your metaphysical or intuitive friends. Maybe you know some people on Facebook. Go to meetups. Do something to get in motion, and then you'll start to connect with the people that you need. I met a guy at a store in Aspen yesterday who I know is going to be significant in my life, and it was just a chance encounter in a, in a, on a stairwell. So never overlook when the universe is trying to tap you on the shoulder. Another point that I want to make in closing is don't fret what you don't have. You know, if you think about the world being perfect and you being perfectly equipped when you came into this life to live this life, if you don't have natural intuitive skills, you don't need them. Some of us need that intuition to keep us out of trouble, but some of you just make the right decisions naturally. So realize, just realize that you were equipped to handle this life perfectly with all the tools you needed. So if you didn't get that one, don't worry about it. You don't need it. And finally, realize that in a world of instantaneous results, that this takes a lot of time. If you're going to rewrite the code, it's going to take a massive effort. But I will tell you from personal experience, and I will say this until I have no more breath left to say it with, learning this material, waking up, learning to live from the soul instead of from the head, learning to connect with your higher source is absolutely worth every effort it will take. There is no magic pill. It is a journey. And not to be self-serving here, but I'm just telling you these are good resources, levels of energy. Intuition training, fear busters, all excellent in this area. Now, if this is something that has touched or pricked you and you are on this same journey, I would love to hear your story. Thomas at subconsciousmindmastery.com or the contact box on the website. Whew. This is under an hour. I'm actually surprised. I thought, uh-oh, this one's going to go for a while. 
I hope this has really, really helped. This is the connection to higher self. This is where spiritual living begins. And from everything that I've been through personally and looking at it from where I see it now, it is absolutely worth the work. And I wish you the very best. Enjoy the journey. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.